With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Fulham is just back for the season by Labbrooks. Ladies and gentlemen, it is showtime. Please welcome the team of the Fulhamish Podcast. Hello and welcome to Fulhamish Extra, Extra. your extra slice of Fulham FC content. And today we're looking ahead to Saturday's West Ham game at the Cottage. Uh, It's been a difficult run of fixtures for Fulham, but we do have four winnable games in a row. And maybe, just maybe, we could look to climb out of the bottom three where we've been marooned for some time. My name's Sammy James. Thank you for listening to the show today. Uh, And I'm joined by Jack Collins. Hello, listeners. And Don Betts. Hello, hello. Have you got your best West Ham crossing your arms ready for for Saturday? Come on, you iron. I can't stand it. It's potentially my most hated thing about West Ham. I'm Jordan Hugill. I can't wait to run out here with all the bubbles. <laughs> Come on, you iron. <laughs> um, right, lads, uh, before we get into the West Ham game, just to say this season, Fulhamish is backed by Ladbrokes. For exclusive specials and promotions, head to bet.fulhamish.co.uk. That's one of the finest things you've ever done, Jack Collins. <laughs> uh, West Ham on Saturday. It's not the greatest time to be facing the Hammers. They've been on good form. They've had a, a bit of a rough start to life under Manuel Pellegrini, but he started to get things back on track. Three wins in a row. Newcastle away was kind of the catalyst. A big 3-0 win up there. They followed up with a 3-1 win over Cardiff that was uh, pretty impressive, although Cardiff did miss a first-half penalty, which could have changed the game. Uh, And they did well to come back against Palace. Uh, They won 3-2. They were behind from an absolute comical goal. Um, which I'm actually not sure who ended up scoring it. but James MacArthur. Three wins in a row. Uh, players like Felipe Anderson looking dangerous. This is not an easy game on Saturday. No, the engineer has engineered a squad finally that he suits and that he likes. So Pellegrini has finally got to where he wants to be with this West Ham team. And, and you know, full credit to him because at the start of the season it all looked a bit like they were going to do what Everton did last year and just buy loads of players and then not fit them in together. But it's turned around, and um, they they do really look a dangerous unit. You know, they've got they've got Chicharito scoring goals again, which is one terrifying, and and two you know quite nice to see because I like Javier Hernandez, mm. um, Javier, yeah, Javier Hernandez, <laughs> um, and also you know the likes of Philippe Anderson has finally sort of settled in the Premier League now and looks a dangerous player. Robert Snodgrass has come in from the proverbial wild uh, and become a, a key kind of cog in, in that side and. And ultimately, they just look like a really good unit. Balbuena and Diop have started to get themselves a real understanding at the centre half, and uh, they have that young kid who comes off of the bench and, and Dean Garner, who is a very, very good player. And that's you know, this is all. Bear in mind, they've won their last three games, and and Arnautovic has featured about twenty minutes in all three of them. So you know, they're, 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 they've lost their talisman to an extent and they're still winning games comfortably, which is always a dangerous sign. The thing about when you look at West Ham's fixtures, Dom, is actually I can only think of maybe the Wolves game at home, maybe Brighton away, but Brighton away is a tough game, which is a game that they shouldn't... They haven't really lost any games that they shouldn't have lost, apart from maybe that Wolves game when Wolves were flying. So. They beat Man United. 
And they've beaten Man United. Well, they've beaten Man United. They got a win 3-1 away at Everton. It's been a pretty good start. I don't think this is quite as easy as maybe some fans had been thinking. No, they're definitely looking up, not looking behind them at the moment. I think that for them, they're solely focused on a top 10. Because I think anything bar a top 10 finish them wouldn't be deemed a success and probably a failure of a season because you know they seem to have had the same season for like the last five years well maybe not five years but the last three or four anyway that they ever since they left the uh, Berlin ground that they've just sort of been going through the motions just about staying up etc etc but I think under Pellegrini they've made some good progress you know but you know that you know Felipe Anas is going to be a quality player you do, it was just where he fit into this West Ham team I think you finally found a slot for him I think the best thing that's helped West Ham the most is their injuries because yes. before, I think they had too many players. They didn't know who's going to be playing where. I think with the, with the injuries that they've had, they've, they've been stick, stuck to a very slim squad. And I think that's actually helped them to get wins over the last week or so. You look at their run of fixtures going forward. After us, for them, they've got Watford, Southampton, Burnley, Brighton. And it's only then on the 12th of January they face Arsenal that's actually the kind of the next game. That, and, and you think about the three games they've just had... They must be thinking at the moment. There's no reason why they can't go on a on a ridiculous run. Yeah, soft, a soft belly in the middle of that season for them. As far as they, you know, you imagine looking forward, they they expect to be getting maximum points in in most of those games. You'd imagine even the tougher ones on that list are at home. So, yeah, I, I mean they're in a good run of form. They won't want to you know, give that up given what's in front of them. And I think that ultimately this is going to be a very, very tricky test. That said, we looked much better at home against Leicester. And we'll look to utilise the fact that it's a small pitch and, you know, our intricate play should, you know, when it comes back off Mitrovic in the middle there should help us. Mm -hmm. Um, And their system might, might suit the way that we play because if Mitrovic can get the better of, you know, a young Diop or or a Balbuena who does have a mistake in him um, early on, then then he will look to exploit that. And I think that, that that's where the, the early battle is going to be won or lost, where, where up, up front, basically. So do you think that's the, the, the key battle there? Where what, How do you see the battle in midfield going? How can we stop someone of Felipe Anderson's quality? Well, Felipe Anderson will play off the left um, and and look to cut back inside, which is where he's kind of been featuring in a, in a sort of wide, outside wide position, almost, of, of the old old variety, inside forward, you might say. Yeah. Um, but he, you know, and it's going to be on whoever's playing right back and whoever's playing right centre back to get out to him and make sure that he doesn't have that time on the ball. Because as we've seen over the last few weeks, you give him, you know, space just outside the box in that position, and he is going to he's going to bang a perler. So, you know, you, you've got to make sure that he doesn't have time and space on the ball, and you've got to try and limit him and keep him wide because all he's going to want to do is check back inside. If you can, if you can push him wide and wide again, he'll get frustrated. Do you think that uh, Craven Cottage is going to be the key to us staying up this season, Dom, if we can pick up wins? It's been noted in the two games that Ranieri's managed at Craven Cottage that we've been mighty, mighty impressive. Okay, Southampton, we rode our luck at times, but you know, we had 25 shots against a, a Leicester side that, you know, our top seven, top eight material. And there's no reason why we can't cre- then create plenty of chances against this West Ham side that whilst they have been particularly good going forward, they still concede you know quite a few goals as well. Yeah, I think it was it it is going to be vitally important, but that's going to be vitally important for any promoted side or any team battling down the bottom. I think your home form is key, and it's just beating the teams around you at home. And then if you pick up points against top six, then great. But for me, anything from seventh down to twentieth 
if you're playing those teams at home, you should be trying to win that game or expecting to win that game because for me, it, it you have to win those games to have your chance to stand up because we know we've been quite poor away from home all season long. Obviously, we haven't had a win away from home yet. We've only had the two home wins against Burnley and Southampton. You could argue that Burnley might be our first away win in the season, hopefully, in next, in next month. Newcastle, pal. Newcastle. Newcastle. Oh, just... You know, I th- yeah, I just I think with West Ham they are going to cause us trouble. It's also making sure Declan Rice can't dictate the play as well. Absolutely, I think, I think trying to closing Declan Rice down early and is going to be a key because he controls their midfield. Be interesting to see the attendance on Saturday. This was a game that a few weeks ago uh, we made quite a big point of on the podcast for saying how expensive the ticket prices were. The minimum price is fifty five pounds if you want to see sit in the Hammersmith end. And with Fulham not being playing that well really in the last two months for me it's a bit of a litmus test yeah I, I think we will see a drop in attendance figures this weekend 5.30 kickoff on television all of the things that make te- make games attendances drop anyway um, I, I think that given the price of the tickets and the fact that it's a late game on a Saturday yeah. we'll see a heavy heavy drop well uh, for more preview uh, do check out George Singer's Before the Whistle article which will be live uh, in the next 24 hours on the Fulhamish website but first let's get an opposition fans perspective uh, I spoke to Dan Lawless who's a really really lovely bloke uh, I met him uh, doing a talk sport show uh, a few months ago and he's one of the Big guys that now, uh, aren't you? yeah I know right let's speak to Dan uh, I started off by asking him whether Hammers fans are confident of getting that fourth straight win on Saturday yeah I mean you know what? I never uh, with West Ham I never take anything for granted I always go into a new game slightly nervous no matter what the opposition is doing because we've seen situations where you know we've gone and beaten Man United and the next time lost to like the team that's struggling for relegation um, but, you know, I'm feeling um, a, a bit more optimistic than I would have a few weeks ago. Obviously, going back to that talks, where I remember um, that talks experience, Jason Cundy was giving me a hard time over Pellegrini going, oh, you know, he's not the sort of guy, he's been out of it and he's not the guy to keep someone up. I said, you know, for me, it was, I knew it was going to take time. And even now, I'm not feeling like it's where it's it should be. You know, I don't think we're going to still have that full consistency we'll get. But like I said, new, completely new manager, new style of play, 11 new players, that most of them playing in the squad. Um, you know, so we've had all these changes and now hopefully it's finally starting, starting to adapt. What's been chat. the reason or who have been the uh, key players behind this resurgence for West Ham? Um, from an outside perspective, uh, I've been looking at Felipe Anderson, who's been brilliant. But also, you seem to have shored up that defence and Balbuena and Diop really seem to be a solid rock for you guys at the back. The kind of rock that I wish we had. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, Felipe Anderson is one who, I mean, £42 million we paid for him. Um, as you know, we, you guys spent a lot of money. We spent a lot of money. Uh, he was our record transfer signing. But he got to, off to a sort of a fairly slow start at West Ham. And I think when you pay that money, a lot of people was expecting him to just click really quickly. But I mean, he's a Brazilian who's then coming from spending a lot of time in the Italian league. It, it can take a long time to adapt, but now he's getting a bit stronger on the ball. He's realising not to hold on to the ball so long. Like in the Italian league, he could just stroll halfway up the pitch unchallenged. Now it's not like that in the Premier League. So now you can see he's getting used to it and he's becoming our main man. You know, he's, he's um, I think he's up there as our top goal scorer at the moment. So... You know, he's becoming that guy who's finally could fill in the shoes of Dimitri Payet, you know, that everyone sort of likes to compare to. And like I said, Diop and Balbuena, um, very, very good. However, I think our weakness is set pieces, though. 
as good as they've been, they're great at, you know, when, um, you know, backs to the wall defending, last man, you know, putting in good tackles. But still, we're so um, static on set pieces. So that's, I think, definitely a place that you can get us. Um, this season, I feel like you have improved the home form um, somewhat, obviously, for the last couple of seasons. That's been the big topic of debate as you move to the Olympic Stadium and it's taken the focus a lot of from what's on the pitch. But what's your away form been like this season? You've picked up a couple of big results, uh, particularly the Newcastle one a few weeks ago. And also that Everton one back towards the beginning of the season was a massive result for you guys. So uh, how has the away form been? Um, I mean, it has started to improve. I think Newcastle, the stat was that it was our first uh, clean sheet away this season. Um, obviously, we had the Everton uh, game and the rest. It's been mostly picking up draws and losses apart from that. Um, I, I think now we are starting to play a bit better away from home. I mean, the Newcastle game shocked me completely. You know, St. James's Park, we have not had, you know, hardly any joy at St. James's Park. It's always a difficult place for us to go. And for us to go there and win 3-0, it just shows a lot of the change in mentality that's starting to, to come into place. So hopefully we continue that away from one student to pick up some points that way. What's the style of play been like under Manuel Pellegrini? Uh, you know what? It's been a breath of fresh air. It's been, obviously, we've come from David Moyes, who, no matter what happened, he'd play defensive football, you know, whether we was playing against Man United or we was playing against whoever it was. I can't remember. We were struggling for relegation, like Sunderland, for example. Um, you know, and obviously he was just trying to keep the seat side up and hold, keep onto his reputation. But it's now we've seen sort of free-flowing attacking football, um, you know, quick passing when we're on the break, you know, we're breaking quickly. It's been just a joy to watch. You know, we've had to suffer some some really bad football over the years. And now we're sort of getting back to that. That really just, even when we're winning as well, even 3-0 up, we're still attacking, attacking, attacking it. And I think that's where we have conceded goals because it's like we don't, you know, we're more, we're more concerned about outscoring the opposition rather than getting one goal and shoring it up at the back. Um, there's been a few links between West Ham and Fulham in the past month. Um, there was rumours last season about Tom Kearney and even Slavisa Kanovic uh, making their way over to the Olympic Stadium. The only player that actually did make his way over um, is Ryan Fredericks. I'd like to start off by talking about him. He had a torrid time in that opening day defeat um, at Liverpool and he's kind of been a bit of a bit part player for you ever since. What do West Ham fans make of Ryan Fredericks? Because at the time when you signed him, you were all very excited because you thought he was going to inject that pace into your side that you'd severely lacked but hasn't quite worked out for him as maybe you guys and certainly him personally would have hoped you know it's sort of 50 50 some have written him off um i haven't because for several reasons i mean that liverpool game was a, a tough one to come into on that debut you know and he's a guy who's coming from the championship we've put him into this brand new setup that, i mean the whole team was was pretty much poor so rather than like when you take a player from the championship, you want him to come up to a team that's stable, you know, is not going through as many changes. And um, unfortunately, that wasn't the case. So, you know, we saw a, 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 a few glimpses of what he could be, but now he's sort of been injured and I don't think he's been able to get that consistent run. I mean, Zabaleta as well has just been brilliant. I don't know how he does it at his age, but he's in brilliance. <laughs> so we do need... We, we do need um, Fredericks to come back and get fit soon because we're starting to have to play Antonio right back for Zabaleta. But I mean, look, you guys obviously saw something in him. You guys, you know, 
when he played for you, for you lot, and we must have seen something to sign him. So I'm not giving up on him. He's still young. I think he deserve, definitely deserves a chance. But I think we are probably looking to sign another right back in January, I've heard. I mean, there's been some interesting games between West Ham and Fulham down the years. There's not really a rivalry at all between us. It's East London, West London. People can call it a London derby and it always adds a bit of spice when it is the London derby, but there is no real animosity between the two sides. What are your favourite memories uh, from the match down the years? It's been one that's been fairly balanced results-wise from, from my memory. Yeah, I mean, it, it has been. There's nothing, There's no games that really stand out to me. I mean, obviously, I think um, one, one memory, though, that does, does stand out to me was when you guys actually got Scott Parker, who mm. was my favourite West Ham player. I think he's still in your um, coaching team, Yeah, very team, much so. Um, I mean, it wasn't not so much of a match, but it was just remembering that, um, obviously, he went to Spurs, which upset a lot of West Ham fans. But then sort of when he went to Fulham and he sort of finished his career at Fulham, I think a lot of people sort of did wish him well. And it was sort of what, what could have been. You know, he was a fantastic player for us and um, a leader as well. So I think that the fact that you guys have got him in your coaching staff, I think is going to be, you know, very good for you guys because he has got that leadership ability and he has got the respect of players. So I think that's quite, I mean, I don't know. What, I mean, how do you feel about uh, Scott Park and him being in your coaching staff? Well, that was the thing I was just about to say. I, I like the fact he's in the coaching staff and um, I've had the pleasure of meeting Scott a couple of times and he is, his football intelligence is, is really, really good. He does just seem to have somewhat of a curse though for Fulham because when he signed for us, it was the season we went down uh, and we got relegated that season. And then we were pretty terrible in the two years in the championship he was with us as soon as he went away Fulham became really good in the championship and we had two successful seasons in a row and then uh, he's come back into the coaching fold this season and all of a sudden we seem to be poor again so uh, rightly or wrongly I think a few people are, are blaming the curse of Scott Parker which I don't really think is uh, his fault at all I think it's just uh, wrong place wrong time um, what have you made of Fulham this season obviously West Ham have had their times back in the championship and come back up to the Premier League we've been struggling to adapt to this league we're now on our second coach of the season from an outside point of view what are you making of the situation at Fulham yeah you know I've, I've been very surprised I mean look I, I wasn't expecting like a lot of pundits you spent a lot of money but I wasn't expecting it to click straight away and you guys to be suddenly you know in the top 10 and challenging for the Europa League places like this season but I thought you guys would be would be pretty stable so to see how it's got I me mean, you know and I, I quite liked your, um, your old manager I can't pronounce his name <laughs> Slavisa Kanovic is all good yes yeah um, and I did quite like it. I did feel bad for him, but it's kind of understandable, the results. But, yeah, it is a bit of a shock just to see how it hasn't hasn't clicked. And you've got Ranieri, and sometimes when you get a new manager, you don't always get that quick new manager bounce where things just happen. Yeah. And I think, as well, some of the um, fixtures haven't hasn't helped you out. You had, uh, I think, was it his first game was Man United, or was that his second uh, game? His first, well, he's, he's had Chelsea and Man United away in his first four fixtures. So, yeah, he's he's not exactly had the easiest run of games. Yeah, so I think um, it may take him time, you know. However it ended at Leicester, I think that a lot of people look at, you know, Leicester, his last season at Leicester, it was quite, they did quite poor in the league. However, he got them to the Champions League, was it the uh, quarterfinal? The, yeah, it was, quarters. I think it was the quarterfinal, yeah. This, you know, so he is a good manager. And I think it would take time. Hopefully he has time, though, because it is a tough league. And now, you know, teams are picking up points. Um uh, yeah, I just I, I hope I hope he can do it because you know it's always nice to have another London club in the league. So yeah, I am I am surprised as probably you are as well about how full it have been. 
Um, just before I get your prediction, where do you think the uh, key battles are in the game on Saturday? Of course, Fulham going to be kind of scrapping for their lives. You're part of a kind of run of four fixtures for us, which are massively important. We've been on a run of games for maybe the past couple of months where we might get an easy game, but then it's a hard game. But for here, it's four teams in the bottom half of the league, whilst you know there's teams like yourselves and Wolves who, who have had you know fine recent runs of form still more winnable games for us than, than usual um but you guys you're going to be on real top confidence so kind of where do you see this game being won, won and lost well i think the midfield is somewhere that's been in the past few games despite us actually being quite good and, and scoring you know up front we've been really good you know attacking scoring goals but midfield has been a little bit of a of a weakness um you know, I mean, we've had Noble, who I think, uh, you know, I think he can be hit and miss, but it seems to be, I mean, when we when we had the Palace game, they seemed to just run straight through our midfield, which we saw quite often. You know, and a lot of the time you'd rely on Declan Rice to go, come back and make some last-minute saves and, and, some, and some tackles. Um, so I think that's definitely a, a place it will get us. I think where it will be, where we, where the way we play, we will be quite open at the back. So I think it will be a very end-to-end game. So I think, you know, I mean, you'll have our attack and your defence, your attack, our defence. I think it will be very much a back-and-forth game. It all depends on who can finish their chances. I really. guess uh, we'll probably uh, we'll probably jinx it now, but it sounds like it might be an open one with a few goals for the neutral. Uh, just finally, Dan, uh, your prediction for the game? Prediction for the game, I'm going to go ahead and say we'll get another 3-2 victory. Well, as I said, entertaining for the neutral, but probably not what Fulham fans want to hear right now. Um, make sure you check out West Ham Fan TV if you don't already. I mean, they're they're kind of YouTube royalty, really. But if you have any West Ham fan mates that uh, don't follow them, especially I've, I've seen a few of their post-match pint videos that they do, which is one of the places that we got the idea to do the exact same things, uh, if, if we're being brutally honest. So uh, if you have any West Ham family or friends, make sure they check out Dan's channel. Uh, it's a pretty big one in the YouTube world. Dan, thank you, Chance Fulhamish. Thank you for having me, guys. You know, and apart from this Saturday, I wish you best of luck for the rest of the season. Well, thank you very much to Dan from West Ham Fan TV, giving us a bit of an opposition lowdown. The view from the Hammers ahead of Sunday's big game at Craven Cottage. Uh, right now, though, let's speak to Lee Clark. He caught up with Dom and the boys on Love Sport Radio this week. Don't forget to listen to Dom's show. Every Wednesday night, 8.30pm till 10. You can listen on 558am if you live in and around London or on digital radio if you listen in and around London uh, or around the world, you can listen on lovesportradio.com. So yeah, Dom and the boys caught up with Lee this week uh, and they started off by asking Lee what he's made of Fulham this season. It's obviously one of disappointment. There was uh, great optimism after the season I had coming up in the championship and the football cleared and then the signings they made over the course of the summer. But uh, they just haven't seemed to have gelled very quickly. And um, the performances, certainly in the games that I've seen, the level of performance hasn't really been, been up then. You know, they say the table doesn't lie, so it's been a bit frustrating. With the midfield, a lot have been made of who's playing where, who should be playing Anchorman, who should be playing, you know, linking it up with Tom Kearney and Pan Alexander Mitrovic. Obviously, as a centre midfielder yourself, what do you think has been missing? Because it seems there's just been no link between your attack and defence so far. Yeah, well, that concerned me when I watched the uh, Huddersfield game on TV. Uh, there didn't seem to be any cohesion from front to back in terms of uh, the movement in midfield and, and the passing and to, to get the team going the way they'd done previously. And uh, 
you know, a couple of the sign, new signings who come in and with big reputations don't seem to have delivered the, the, the performance that had been required, really. And I was quite disappointed on the night in the Huddersfield game in, in terms of uh, the efforts and desire that was on, on show, really. It was a bit it was a bit worrying for me, not just the, the result, but the, the, the actual performance level of the team that, that evening. But... I was still hopeful that Ikanovic could have, could have stayed in, in his role because I just thought he had them playing outstandingly well. For me, did did they make too many changes too quickly and not give enough of the players who got them promoted an opportunity to start the season? That probably could be the case. I was going to ask you about that, Lee, because of course you were part of the Fulham team that went into the Premier League in, in 2001 and actually by 2004 you'd helped them finish ninth in the table, which was their highest uh, position in the top flight. Did your manager at the time make a lot of changes that summer or did he keep faith largely with the players that had got you to promotion in the first place? A bit of both, really. We spent a lot of money. We spent, in, in terms of the Premier League in that era, you know, we, we, over the course of the summer. Uh, I think we, we went something like £49 million in 47 days over the course of the period in the summer and brought, like I said, Van der Sar in and... Steve Marley, Martin Jetto, Sylvain Legwinski, and people like that. Steve Marlborough. But what we've done is uh, there was still a, a huge nucleus of the of the lads who'd been successful for the manager John Tegan at the time, who played a big part in the starting eleven uh, for the start of the Premier League campaign. So, and and then the the, the signings were you know eased in uh, you know with. Over a period of time, they weren't all put in the team together, and I think it it, it worked for us really because the manager showed faith in a lot of the players who got got them promoted in that way. Yeah, there was a reason I asked that question because I watched your game, Fulham's game against Huddersfield when they were beaten one 0 on that Monday night, and I looked at the team sheet, and eight of the eleven uh, were summer signings, so only three of the players that had come up were still in the starting lineup, and. That concerned me because if you look historically, certainly in recent seasons, the teams who come up from the championship and make a good start to the season, they rely largely on players that got them there. They're running on adrenaline. It's their reward, really, for, for what they achieved the previous season. They've got good camaraderie. They've got a winning mentality. I just think when you make so many changes, you almost tear that up and you, and you give the opposition an advantage. Well, I agree. I think what it also does, it's... Um do you lose the lads who've worked ever so hard for you to get you in that position in any way and they haven't really been given the chance to prove that they are a, a good enough to, to compete at the at Premier League level? And if they're not given a chance, do they lose a little bit of faith in, and do they lose them them from the group, you know? And, that, and that's, the, that's the problem you have. And if you're integrating so many new signings into uh, the team straight away in a in a new league that majority of the new signings hadn't played in before, it it it, it can be a recipe for disaster. And at this moment in time, it's pro- unfortunately proven to be the case. All right now, Lee, we're talking about new faces coming into the squad. I'm not necessarily pulling their weight in the way that they should be in a, a team which has you know more or less fallen from the heights that they did last season. Um, I'm not trying to pinpoint one player in particular, but. There's one figure that actually, you know, sticks out the most uh, for many fans, and that's Andre Schürrle. Being a season World Cup winner, which he is, um, he's kind of fizzled out of encounters where we need him to um, step up and prove uh, his actual quality and calibre um, as a renowned, you know, world-class player. Um, there's been another of instances where he has more or less been a a lesser 
figure in the squad. I mean, how frustrating is that for you, being in such an industrious player yourself, uh, to see these kind of uh, figures just be non-existent in proceedings? Oh, without a doubt, I think Sherla is is one of few. You know, Sally's come with a big uh, uh, target, big reputation, not really produced. But it's like it's uh, they all have to take collective responsibility, and you know the your reputation, and, and if you've cost a lot of money, that means nothing. It's what you deliver on the pitch that counts, and what you've done in the past, and what you've won. It's 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 the here and now, and if you're part of a group that's underperforming, which certainly the Fulham group are this moment in time, uh, everyone has to take a collective responsibility. Now, how you get out of the, the situation you're in, you're not all, you're not going to all of a sudden go from a team that's struggling and struggling to pick up points and the level of performance isn't high enough to a team that's going to start dominating games and all your ball playing footballers are, are going to get on the ball and catch the eye. Well, how, how do you get that back and how do you get it all restarted again? is by everyone just giving maximum effort, grinding out uh, an ugly results somewhere to boost the confidence of everyone. Because results then boost the confidence of the players, of the supporters. Everyone gets a lift from it. And it's not it doesn't change that dramatically from where you're struggling in your performance level and then all of a sudden you go and smash someone 5 or 6 nil by playing the football that Fulham played last season, which was fantastic on the eye. To get your confidence levels back and to regroup and stop getting points on the board, it's probably going to take a horrible, ugly win somewhere, you know, whether it be at the cottage, whether it be away from home, where everyone is just digging deep and giving, you know, everything they possibly can, sacrificing themselves, their own personal game for the team. And to get that result, then everyone gets lifted. Then you can start worrying about the performance level in terms of can we get back to playing the full and way which of last season um, and then and, and, and also getting the results playing that day. And I think if you have if you have two or three players who are uh, who aren't contributing in that way and, and aren't are not pulling that weight in terms of the effort levels, certainly at any level of football, but when you're competing in the highest level, um, it's you're gonna be uh, you you're gonna be found out and you're not gonna get results and, and it's as simple as that and it doesn't matter what your reputation is you know, you look at the real, real top players. They deliver, um, they deliver performances whether they're on top of their game or not, because they work extremely hard. So, it's it, I understand the line of the question. I, I see where you're coming from. It saddens us that that's the situation. But, but I've got to say, when I watched the Huddersfield game, that was one of the issues that frightened us the most. It looked to me that there wasn't eleven players out there wearing that jersey who were giving maximum effort and desire. Lee, they've got a big run of games coming up. Fulham, West Ham at home on Saturday tea time. Newcastle away, Wolves at home, Huddersfield home. They're their final Premier League games before the turn of the year. Of course, uh, in Wolves, they're playing a team that came up with them from the Premier League, uh, from the Championship, and are doing really well. Huddersfield, a side expected to struggle this season. And your old club, Newcastle, we can't have you on without uh, getting your opinions on what's going on at St James's Park. Who do you fear for most, Fulham or Newcastle? Um, at this moment in time, I, I fear for, for Fulham because obviously Newcastle have a, a cushion of more points. But in all honesty, I'll be at the game on um, a week on on Saturday, and I, I fear for them both. And obviously, I'm an ex Huddersfield manager, and I have a great affinity with that club. So the three clubs <laughs> uh, that I have are very close to me heart. I have a huge affinity for. Unfortunately, I think at least one of them 
are going to fall through the trap door come the end of the season, and, and, I, and I don't want any of them to. But if, if you're putting us on the spot at this moment in time, I would say I'd rather be in the Castle's position than Fulham, obviously because of because of where they are in the league, and 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 you know even even though Newcastle are on a terrible run of form in terms of results at home, they've lost seven out of their nine home games this season, winning two. Uh, I thought unfortunate the weekend against Wolves. Um, but it's a pivotal game. You, you've just rattled off the four games that Fulham have before now and with the new year. And they're huge games and they're games that you would have pinpointed at the start of the season to to get points from. And it's crucial that they do. Yeah. Um, you know, Newcastle, they have Huddersfield this weekend before Fulham come up to St. James's Park. And their two games, Newcastle would have uh, earmarked because then Newcastle have got to go to Anfield on Boxing Day. So, and then have Arsenal and Chelsea coming up. Um, after that, so both clubs will be looking when they come up against each other um, to, to take maximum points. So it could be a, a game of very few chances because it could both be very tentative in their approach or they both could go for it and it could be wide open. So um, I'm, I'm, I'm hoping, but I, I, I don't believe it will, I'm hoping that neither of them uh, will be uh, in around that bottom three come the end of the season, but I think that I'll listen to something today. I think it's Brighton are in 13th place and they're seven points ahead of the That's teams right. in 14th. Yeah. So Newcastle are eight points behind Brighton. If if that gap gets any bigger, you're probably going to, you know, by you come to Christmas, you're probably going to save those teams from 14 down over or battling out for the three relegation slots. Yeah, it's going to be real. It's, it's it's a tough one to say when you when it's when you're just in Christmas, but that that could be the reality if that if that uh, gap goes wider than the seven points. Welcome back to Fulhamish Extra. Sammy James here with Jack Collins and Dom Betts. So that is all for the show today. Thank you very much for listening, and hopefully it's a positive day on Saturday, and we could do with another win. And, and there's still potential that we could actually climb out of the bottom three. Fingers crossed, eh? Exactly. Um, Jack Collins, thank you very much for being here. Thank you, Sammy. Uh, and Don Betts, thank you very much as well. It's all right. Make sure you subscribe to the Fulhamish YouTube channel. There'll be a Fulhamish full time on Saturday. Don Betts is on hosting duty. I am indeed. The man, the myth, the legend. Fun knowing it. I'm ha- ha- handing over the uh, mythical baton to you right well, now. Considering Jack normally hosts it, you're not. Yeah, I'm handing over the <laughs> mythical baton. Oh, yeah. I've got to dash off after the game to go to a gig. So Dom's on Dom's Ooh, on. What money. gig are you going to? I'm going to see the manor on Shot. Oh, for God's sake. Of course I am. How, how many times have you seen the manor this year? Three. And then I've seen them again in January. Supporting the streets. Don't they just sing the same songs every time? Yeah. That's how music like, works. <laughs> to be honest, mate, you could literally say that about, like, you know, Fulham. Like, if away days, don't you just lose every time? Like, yeah, still go, though, don't There's I? Every time I sing the same songs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Sammy, Sammy doesn't understand how music works. You're the man. You're a man that likes repetition, if nothing else. Indeed, indeed. Um, so yeah, make sure you check out the YouTube stuff. Uh, we will be back. Jack will be back on Monday uh, with the podcast, looking back at the West Ham game, and then of course Fulhamish Extra, looking ahead to that Newcastle game. We'll also be back this time next week. So for now, see you later. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye.